And I, I'm on, guys. Can we get me on? Thank you so much. Appreciate that. First Corinthians chapter 15. If you find your Bibles, join me there. First Corinthians chapter 15. Tonight, as we've been announcing, we'll do something a little bit different. And children, I encourage you to listen up. At the end of the service, I'll be down here right at the orchestra level here. And we have a bunch of candy and uh, Tootsie Roll Pops, Jolly Ranchers, Blow Pops. We even have fruit snacks. So if mom and dad wants you to get fruit snacks, we'll do that. Don't have it tonight. In future weeks, though, you say, well, mom and dad, don't let me have candy. Well, in future weeks, we'll have a dime to give you. Amen. And you can save and that. So, but don't have that tonight, but uh, maybe you can trade it to someone else for a dime. All right. But we'll just ask you a simple question about this service. I guarantee you, if you will but listen and you come down, I guarantee you, you'll be able to answer at least one of the questions I ask you. Okay. And uh, so in teenagers, if you want to get involved, feel free to come on down in line. All right. And so we'll just kind of form the line down this way. I'll be over here. Mrs. Henry will be here to help and a couple other, uh, a couple teenagers too, a couple other helpers will be right there, all right? And so we'll do that at the close of the service. All right, with all the beautiful singing and favorites night and everything else, I have like five minutes. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Nonetheless, we're going to get into this. We'll finish it up. We may just get through the introduction and a tremendous challenge for us this evening. I, I think this is going to be very much, I trust it is, it is intended to be an inspirational message. An inspiration to all of us, I believe that's what Paul, uh, his intent was. He was trying to be an encouragement to the church at Corinth with a simple verse, a familiar verse that we're going to look at here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Okay, it's familiar, verse 58, look at it with me if you will. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. All right, so I'm going to read the verse. When we get to the title of the message and the word, the characteristic we're going to focus in on tonight, it's there above me, it's unmovable. When we get to that, let's all say it together. So kids, you can participate in this. We're going to read the verse. I'll read the verse. When we get to the word unmovable, say it with me, okay? Here we go. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Again, inspirational message from Paul. He's speaking to not just believers, but he's speaking to a church as a whole and as individuals. Be ye steadfast, unmovable. What's he saying? Well, to call, to be encouraged, to put their hand to the plow. Uh, to, to not hold back, to not wane, to not uh, let go of what they're, to with, not withdraw back, to literally hold the fighting lines in the spiritual battle of faith, uh, to hold tight to the ropes of the ministry in the local church. Be steadfast. Don't let anything hinder or prohibit your work in the ministry, what you personally are doing for the kingdom of God. Don't be weary in well-doing, but be steadfast, unmovable. Don't let storms come and situations and people who, who say things and criticism and everything. Don't let them move you. Be steadfast, unmovable. A young person, when it comes to doing right, Obeying mom and dad, obeying teachers, living out God's word, be steadfast, unmovable. That's what Paul's encouragement is here. Um, you, you might think of, as pictured up above me, we might think of standing strong and tall against whatever may come, much like a mountain, not willing, not allowing ourselves to be moved. May I tell you this evening, 
Fostoria Baptist Church needs members of its church or this church to be steadfast, unmovable in the work of the Lord. We need people who work on the bus ministry. We need Sunday school teachers. We need people who work with our children. We need nursery workers. We need choir members. We need orchestra members. We need people on visitation. We need people in RU. We need people in every single ministry to be steadfast, unmovable. Not getting praise, not getting people treating you unkind and unfair, whatever the case may be, it will not move you. Peer pressure, others giving you a hard time, whatever the case may be, it will not move you. That's Paul's encouragement. Better stated, not only does FBA, FBC needs you, but better stated maybe, the surrounding communities are in desperate need for you and I to be steadfast, unmovable. Following after God, doing the work of the Lord. And the great promise here is what? Your labor is not in vain. So keep laboring. Be steadfast, unmovable. Hey, kids, you say, well, Pastor Henry, what does unmovable mean? Let's just break it down, make it concise. Here's what we might say unmovable means. It means to do the right thing in the face of anything. Do the right thing in the face of anything. So children, if we were bringing it down to your level, it means this. I'm going to obey mom and dad even when I don't want to. I'm going to obey mom and dad when my siblings, my brother, my sister, they don't really want to and they're not doing it. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to obey mom and dad when it's probably not the thing I want to do in the moment. It is being unmovable, steadfast. What does that mean? Doing the right thing. In the face of anything. Doing the right thing in the face of anything. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter the situation or the circumstance. Nothing will move me off of doing what's right. Hey, do you you remember? uh, Excuse me. Do you remember? Obviously, you don't. It was my childhood. Um, What I was trying to say, do you remember the game King of the Mountain? You have a, a pile of dirt in and, 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 and my childhood, what I was trying to get ahead to. Uh, I remember third, fourth grade when I was in our Christian school, for some reason, they had a pile of mulch. I mean, it was huge to me as a kid. I probably would go back there as an adult and I was like, wow, that's not very big. That ever happened to you? And uh, as a kid, you think it's huge. Well, I remember right outside of school, they had this just a huge mountain range of mulch. And I'm telling you, my third and fourth grade compatriots, us guys, when we got out at recess, man, that was the first place we were going. And the game was simple. It was king of the mountain. And you were king if you were on top and no one else was. And so you would do just about anything to get the other person off the mountain. Okay, not a game for today. It's not probably, probably politically correct or anything like that. Okay, you're grabbing people's legs, throwing them off, pushing them down the hill and everything else of, of mulch and everything else. What's the point of the game? Is to be the last guy standing and not to let anything move you. Can I tell you, as we sing about being a believer, a child of the king, you and I need to be unmovable. Like on top of that mountain, that mountain of doing right, that mountain of pleasing God in everything, we've got to stand fast and be unmovable. Now, for some of us as adults, that means at work, pressures and other things. That means family pressures. That means choosing to do right when maybe it'll cost me something, when when maybe I have to forfeit something because I have to be honest. It's doing right in the face of anything, and it's being unmovable in doing what is right. 
You see, as Paul, now thank you, we all know who Paul, children, this is Saul who became Paul. Paul's giving this encouragement. And as he does, Paul's words carry tremendous weight. What do I mean by that? Just simply this. Paul, boy, when Paul spoke about being steadfast, unmovable, you better listen. Because Paul knew something about being steadfast and unmovable. He's not just speaking and giving advice that he himself doesn't follow. He's not telling you to do something that he would never do. This is Paul. Paul is steadfast. He is unmovable. It wasn't simply because he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. It was also because he was a man that in his followership of God, being a disciple of God and serving God, for him, he was going to be truly unmovable. He suffered perhaps more than any other Christian in the Bible. He faced great tests, obstacles, and adversity that were beyond compare. Yet despise, uh, despite all that Paul faced, can I tell you, my friend, Nothing moved him. He wouldn't let it. He had purpose. He had resolved to not let anything move him from following after God, doing right in the face of anything, and serving God, no matter how difficult, no matter how much of the pressure to do light otherwise, Paul was going to do what he said he'll do. He gave his life wholly to God. I think it was expressed well in this verse. Now, one of my favorite statements of Paul, he said this, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Now, I want to challenge you. You work in the nursery. You work as a Sunday school. Hey, young people, you say, I want to do what's right when it comes to obeying my mom and dad and obeying my teacher and at my teachers in Sunday school and Patch and Pee Wee. Can I tell you, you should have this attitude, this sentiment. That when I'm following God and when I'm serving God, I will very gladly spend and be spent. For whatever ministry I'm in charge of, whoever I'm ministering to, most importantly, I'll be spent for my God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15, Paul says that. There's many instances from Paul's life. One of them we're going to look at here. There are several actually, but one of them, he was on his way there to... Jerusalem eventually, or eventually Rome, but through Jerusalem and so forth. He would have been made a prisoner. He was surrounded by fellow believers that despaired uh, over not seeing him again, the possibility of that. And he affirmed his steadfastness, his unmovable position. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts 20, we'll look at verse 24. Acts chapter 20, we'll look down at verse 24. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 24. This is from Paul's own words. His own statement. He's speaking to these other believers. And there's been some concerns raised. In Acts chapter 20 verse 24. He says this. But none of these things. What's the next word? Move me. Two words, move me. None of these things move me. I'm not shoved off the mountain. I'm still going to follow God. I'm still going to do right. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. May I simply say this? Amen and amen. He says, it's not going to move me. What might he be referring to? Well, we'll see some things tonight, but look at the the verse right before it. He identifies two things. 
say that the Holy Ghost witnesseth, and in every say, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Now, that's a powerful statement. You know what he's saying? I'm afflicted all the time. <laughs> I may be in bonds. I, I rested many times. We'll see it tonight if we get to it. Reality was he was persecuted day in and day out just about. He says, I face bonds. I face afflictions all the time. Can I tell you? Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully, mom and dad. If you are in any type of ministry, you are going to suffer affliction. It's going to happen. Something's not going to go right. Somebody's not going to like something. Somebody's going to complain or be critical. It will happen if you are in any type of ministry. You're going to suffer afflictions. Things will not go the way you want them to. Hey, sometimes... You can get up to teach a class, and you can't get out a word. It just it, it mumble, jumble, and you trip over your words. You've seen me do it. And it happens to all of them. There's afflictions. You may get up to sing a solo or to sing in a song, and, boy, your, your voice starts to crack. You lose it and everything else, and, boy, you feel terrible. You know what Satan wants you to do? Give up. Give up. Oh, you can't teach. Oh, you can't sing. Oh, you tried to play your instrument, and all you did, you squeaked, and all you sounded like was a parrot squeaking. I don't think parrots squeak, but anyway, you get the idea. Okay, maybe like a mouse. That might be better. Okay, um, but you can't play that. Why did you even try to do an offertory? Why did you even try to sing a special? Why, why do you try to teach? You can't do it. But can I tell you, boy, Satan will come after you. He'll try to get you to move. Now, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. We certainly would do our best to be prepared and, and such. But I'll tell you, my friend, hey, we're all going to mess up. We suffer afflictions and bonds. Here was Paul, and his testimony was, none of these things move me. Is that your testimony tonight? Nothing's going to get in my way of serving God. Nothing's going to move me. I'm going to be like a mountain that is sure and secure and stand tall in serving God and following God. Nothing will move me. We'll see tonight and mostly next Sunday night. Five areas, five things that Paul did not allow to move him. Number one, listen carefully. It's just simply this. We'll look at another chapter. Number one, peers would not move him. If it makes it easier for you to understand, put people there, okay? But peers, the, the people around him would not move him. For the little ones here, what, do I, what does Pastor Henry mean by peers? Well, peers are just is a term used to refer to people around us. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's people around us who just do wrong. They don't follow God. They, they don't have our best interest in mind. Those are peers. So people around us is the idea. Turn with me to Acts chapter 21. Kind of similar, we're just over a chapter. But Acts chapter 21, we'll look down at verse 12. Verse 12, here are some other believers, just like the ones we read about in Acts chapter 20, but here's some different ones. Notice at verse 12, okay? Someone, just in the verses before, prophesied that when Paul goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be bound and eventually send to, Jerusalem, uh, to Rome. Verse 12, and when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him, that's Paul, to not go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered and said, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Woohoo! All these people around him. Oh, Paul, don't go. Listen, Paul, he said you're going to be, uh, they're going to put chains on you. And don't go, Paul. Paul, look at him. Stop crying. 
You're breaking my heart. Listen, if it is God's will in following God and serving God, he takes me to Jerusalem, I'm put in chains, and even if I die, praise be to God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be unmoved. These folks, these are friends. These are fellow believers. And yet, even with that, in their love and care for Paul, they were putting their own wishes ahead of God's will. They come in, in a sense, to their spiritual senses. Look at the next verse, verse 14. And when he would not be persuaded, you know what we could say there? And when he would not be moved. He wouldn't be persuaded. He wouldn't change his mind. When he would not be persuaded, we ceased. And what did they come to the conclusion of? The will of the Lord be done. Isn't that a neat statement? And he's so steadfast, and we're not going to change his mind about following God. Would to God that every single one of us had our mind made up to follow God in everything. To that way. And we're not going to change him. Every co-worker of yours, every family member, we're not going to convince him. Every young person, every young adult, hey, we're not going to change his mind, her mind, from following after God, from doing what's right. Hey, young people, hey, children, can I tell you, can I encourage you, make up your mind at a young age to follow God. Don't let anybody change it. Don't let anybody convince you that, nah, don't obey God, don't read the Bible, don't do No, you follow God. You make up your mind. Don't let anybody persuade you otherwise. Here was Paul. That was his heart and mind. I'll tell you, we understand they didn't want to see their friend hurt, the mentor, their mentor in danger, even possibly put to death, but he would not be moved. He set his eyes on the work of his Lord, and nothing was going to move him from the course of following God. You know what we call that? Listen, we call it resolve. Resolve. Would to God that you and I had that kind of resolve. Hey, children, when you say, Pastor Henry, what's resolve? All right, so first, unmovable, it's to do what is right, in the, uh, to do right in everything, okay, in the face of anything. So to, to do right always in the face of anything. What's resolve? Well, resolve, we define it this way. Resolve is a firm and strong determination. I've made up my mind to see something done or accomplished. That's resolve. That's what Paul displayed. So resolve, I made up my mind. I'm unmovable because I want to do the right thing in the face of anything. And uh, being unmovable, it starts with resolve. It starts with you and I, whether adult or a young person, hey, a child, young people, you can say, I- I'm, I'm determined to follow after God. I'm determined to obey God's word. Think of it this way. Uh, I, I think of my son, Caden, okay? And uh, he's not huge, but if we were to go get ice cream, which we've done occasionally, I put a f- cone in front of, uh, uh, of Caden, hand him a cone, and he has a couple uh, big scoops of ice cream. I look at him and say, you're not going to finish that. He looks at me and says, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And he digs in, man. And of course, his, how he gets through it is because half of it ends up here, then instead of here. But anyway, and he goes, man, he gets determined. And I can tell, can't we parents? We can tell when they've had enough, when their bellies are full. But that determination sets in. I said, I'm going to finish it. This is my ice cream. I'm not going to waste it. And they keep licking and licking and licking and licking. And you know what? I've seen little people. Hey, children, I've seen some your age with such determination to get that ice cream cone down. Can I tell you, my friend, 
let's uh, take that same determination about following God. Nothing's going to move me. I don't care if I'm five, I'm six, I'm seven, I'm 10, I'm 12, I'm 22, I'm 32. Let's not go any higher. Uh, But whatever age I am, I am determined, firm, strong determination. You will not move me. Circumstances won't move me. Friends won't move me. Peers are not going to change my mind. I have made it up. I'm going to follow God in everything and in everything. I will follow God. That's resolve. Can I tell you, as I said, being unmovable starts with resolve. What resolve does it start with? Well, here spiritually, it starts with the resolve that I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to please God in everything. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is a great verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31, to make your resolution. The word resolve just means resolution. I have a resolution, a firm strength or strong determination to do something. And that's a great one. Glorify God in everything I do. There will be times in our lives that even fellow Christians, fellow believers can try to influence us or pressure us into not being so unmovable, not being so steadfast in serving God, following after Him. And they can do all kinds of things to try to move us, to try to shake our resolve. Well, you're a fanatic. You're this. You do this. Why do you have to do that? Will you be unmovable in the face of that? Sometimes they're even good-intentioned believers. And yet, they're kind of influencing us, pressuring us as peers to do something that we don't, we know that's not God's will. I'm going to be determined to follow God's will. Hey, children, hey, little ones, don't let your friends influence you to not be steadfast in doing right. So even at a young age, and I think of, uh, of maybe a second grader, third grader, fourth grader, fifth grader, sixth grader, whatever, any age, don't let your friends influence you. In other words, pressure you to not do what's right. Obey a teacher. Obey a parent. Uh, please God. Don't let them do that. Let me give you an illustration, okay? Little ones, look up this way. Let's say mom and dad ask you to sit on the back pew in our foyer. They say, listen, after church, I want you to sit in the back pew. And I want you to sit here while, while mom and dad, we talk and fellowship. We have a meeting. We have a practice, as many of us do. So you're going to sit here in this back pew. I don't want you going out to the playground. I don't want you going down to the gym and playing. I want you to sit on this pew. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And I don't want you to ask me to go out to the playground. I don't want you to come up and pull my, my, my coat. <laughs> Can we go down to the gym? Can we go down? No, I want you to sit on the pew. Now, children, what's obedience? Obedience is going outside in the foyer, sitting in the pew. Now, listen, there'll be some really good kids, friends of yours, that come along, and they'll say something like this. Hey, let's go out to the playground. Man, that slide, we need to go down it. We need to go up it. We need to go all over it. We're going to have a whole lot of fun in the play. Come on, let's go. Can I tell you, right there, you're experiencing, little one, some pressure. They may not know that mom and dad, they're, they're not trying necessarily to get you to do wrong, but they may not know that mom and dad said, stay on the pew. You do. And you know what it means to do right. That means stay on the pew. And so in that moment, guess what? Will you be unmovable? Because they say, hey, everybody's out there, man. It won't be the same without you. We really want you to come play. And they may say a few things and so forth. Hey, go ask your mom again. 
Won't they say that? Yeah, go, go ask your mom. Go ask your dad. Maybe, please, please. I'll go with you. <laughs> like moral support on a lower level, right? <laughs> we can go ask together. You know what you ought to do, young person? Listen to me. To be unmovable, even in that little situation, you know what? No. Mommy and daddy said to stay right here, and I'm going to sit right here. That is doing right or doing the right thing in the face of anything. That's resolve. That's saying, no, 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 I made up my mind. Mom and dad said, I'm going to sit on the pew, and so I'm going to sit on the pew. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to obey. And as a child, you made up your mind. You're not going to ask. You're not going to go back. You say, well, listen, is it really that big of a deal? Hey, listen to me, mom and dad, it is a big deal. Hey, young person, it is a big deal. Because when you make up your mind at a young age to say, wait a minute, I am resolving, I'm making up my mind to obey mom and dad, and nothing's going to move me. I don't care if my best friend comes along and wants me to go play in the playground. I'm going to, no, I'm going to obey mom and dad. Because you know what happens later in life when you're a young adult, when you're a teenager, when you're an older adult, there are going to be things God tells you to do. And you're going to be sitting on the pew and God says, I want you to stay here. And there'll be some friends and there'll be other peers and other people in your life that come along. And they want you to do something, but you know it's not God's will for you. You know that's not obeying God. You know that's not pleasing Him. My friend, every child here is training to be a child of God that's older. You're training. So young people, what you do now is going to set a course for the future. As you obey mom and dad now, it'll probably show up the same way. If you obey mom and dad now, you'll obey God down the road. If you disobey mom and dad now, likelihood is you're probably going to disobey God if something doesn't change in your heart. You don't get a resolve, and you don't become unmovable in your attitude, in your facing of what is to do is doing right. Note it. Now listen to me. Listen to me, children. One more thing. Let me encourage you about this. When you resolve to do what is right and obeying your parents, I know this. Boy, man, I, I tell you, I was a seven-year-old. I know it's hard to believe, okay? All the adults around you were that too. I know that's hard to believe. But children, can I tell you, we were seven-year-olds. We were ten-year-olds before. We were, we were all kinds of days. There were times where my mom and dad, and I was a pastor's kid, and we were at church all the time. I mean it. And there were times my mom and dad said, no, you sit right there. But mom and dad, everybody else is playing I really want to go to the playground. I can't sit still. No, that was true. But uh, I can't sit still. I can't. I, Dad, that's going to be so. I mean, in my heart, did I want to go play? Yes. Hey, little one, can I tell you, there's going to be times where mom and dad tell you to do something, and you want to do something else. That's pressure. But you have to have resolve. You have to say, no, 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 no. I made up my mind. <laughs> I'm going to be unmovable in obeying mom and dad. You say, well, Pastor Henry, I get it. I, I'm supposed to sit on the pew, but, but I don't understand what the big deal is about not going to the playground. You don't have to understand what you need to understand as children obey your parents in the Lord. See, soon enough, when you get older, you may understand. But even if you never do, can I tell you what God cherishes more than anything is obedience. See, there's things in my life that I don't understand why I still, at age 43, uh, I don't understand why I have to do them. Hey, listen, little wonder, do you understand? But I'll tell you right now, I know that God wants me to do them. 
And so if you're constantly a, a young person, hey, little one, if you're always asking mom and dad, why, why? You'll turn into a teenager that, why, why? You'll turn into a young adult, why, why? Am I annoying yet? Because I'll tell you, I've dealt with all of them, and they're all annoying. I think God in heaven might get annoyed with some Christians. Oh, you want me to do that? Why, why? Hey, would we just start out with obeying? We've said it before, Dr. Bill stood in this same pulpit. He preached a great message about this truth. The reality is, once you start obeying, what often happens is then you begin to understand. You begin to comp- uh, understand. I'll tell you, I understand more as a parent now than I didn't when I was a kid. I know that's hard to believe, but young people, it's true. <laughs> I understand what my mom and dad were doing. The bottom line is this. Listen, you may not understand why they don't want you to go to the, the playground. You may not think that there's anything wrong with going to the playground. I understand that. But here's the point. Obey. Have a resolve. Make up your mind. Hey, all of us to obey. Make up your mind. Be unmovable. What I like about Paul, he said simply, I'm not going to be a pushover for peer pressure. I'm not going to be a pushover for peer pressure. And I'll tell you right now, I am totally frustrated because it's 7.02. Okay, we're going to stop. That was half of the first point. This is terrible, but anyway, okay. Young person, would you remember? We'll we'll pick up next week. I promise you we will, okay? I get going too excited. I could go till 8 o'clock. It would be fun, but uh, we're not going to. Hey, some great truth. Be unmovable. We'll tie it up together a little bit more next week, a little bit more. This is what I want. We talked about resolve, and so we're going to turn to hymn number 389, I Am Resolved. Now listen to me as you find your book and everything. Listen to me. Verses 3 and 4. Verse 4 says this, Friends may oppose me, Foes may beset me, but I am resolved to follow God. And that needs to be our heart's attitude from the youngest here to the oldest. Grab your hymn book, join me and stand.